college baseball is here. Oh my gosh, it's finally here. I, and I know NAIA baseball is rolling, and I know Juco ball. Trust me, I know Juco ball is rolling. Perfect game's been knee-deep in it. But uh, Wex and I are excited uh, that this podcast now sits in the middle of the college baseball season. And um, you, Danny, you've put together an incredible show because we get to know, again, a couple of guys that are maybe off the top, top, top floor of the grid that people are all talking about for the draft in college baseball, but both may be playing themselves into the top five rounds, into the top three rounds. I love Andrew Taylor, Central Michigan. This is a a sneaky, intelligent man about his future, but still holds on to that small town, good old boy, all shucks from Alto, Michigan, outside of Grand Rapids. Um, And and I love Lou James Groover III, Gino, Gino. (laughs) Or the Don, as we know him as. Man, you, you hit this one out of the park with these two guests. I, I'm thrilled to, to, to share these conversations. Yeah, so I was super stoked because Andrew Taylor came on our radar and he was a college preseason All-American first team starting pitcher. And so I d- dug a little deeper and, you know, my heart is with the Midwest. And so when I see somebody who is in the Midwest um, at, at the school, like Central Michigan, and He's special. He's different. This kid is different. He's cut from a different cloth. It's because of his family. It's because of his mom. And we learn a lot about that, but he's got his head on straight and he knows the draft is coming. He knows it's coming. He knows this is probably his last season, but he, he knows that he really wants to focus in and have a good time because he'll never get that moment back. And we don't often hear that and the insights like that deeply. And then Gino Groover, the third, who shared a lot about his family, his background, why he is the way that he is a little bit about the decision into transferring from Charlotte to NC state, but the smile on his face, the smile on his face when talking about how happy he is to be at NC state and be playing with that group of guys, a whole new roster, a team that's really successful, but a group of guys who've come together and are having a good time. He looks like he's home and it's really cool to see someone who feels that and then is able to show that as well. Yeah, I love the drills, by the way, that Groover shares that he worked on and that he still works on inside for all you young hitters out there. There's some shockingly insightful things for someone like me who's been around the game forever. And Danny's, you know, spent a majority of her adult life covering the game then playing the, the game of softball. But I've never heard of some of these drills. Um, I don't like to call it cornhole. I'm always uncomfortable because of beavis and butthead. So, you know, I like to call it beanbags, right? When you toss the beanbags, it's similar to this with a bat in your hands. I mean, you're trying to go in the smallest of spaces with a bat in your hands. I'm blown away by that. I'm blown away by what you can do with a whole bunch of like encyclopedia type books and a book bag, like a backpack. You can throw mid nineties just by using those things. That's of course, Taylor. You're going to be shocked with some of the things these dudes are, are doing for their workouts. I love, I love the ingenuity in a day of tech. I love the tech, by the way. So this isn't me being get off my lawn, but in a day of tech and modernization and all the things that go into it. And Taylor embraces the tech, but there are, there are just a couple of classic old fashioned would have worked in the thirties kind of things that both of these guys have done. I love it. Yeah, you got to do what you got to do. And I'm excited to watch them this season and see what what they can do for their teams. But just really their families, I'm telling you, they're going to tug at your heartstrings. And I think you're going to get a lot of feels, all the feels. That's what the kids say, Darren. Is that a thing? It's a thing. All the feels. Do the kids even know about Beavis and Butthead, by the way? Do you think think they've ever watched that? 
They definitely do because well, of I, Halloween. I like, to call it be- I like to call it bean bags or bags or whatever. Yeah, I don't know. Whatever anyway. you want. Whatever you want. Got it. Got Anything it. else you want to say about this podcast? No, I think people need to listen. I think people need to listen. Look, Hunter Pence is coming on. It's part of our college college baseball show, which was on Sirius XM, is now going to be debuting weekly as a streaming show. Uh, the week of March 7th, we'll be dropping our first episode, Hunter Pence and I, but we're going to go back in time just a little bit. As a matter of fact, it's like a brand new interview. Uh, Chris Limonis, the, uh, the the head coach of the national champs, the College World Series champs, Mississippi State. So Hunter Pence is always great. We're going to have a part of that conversation. Our scouts are always great. Brian Sikowski, Juco. Uh, Vinny Servito pre- previewing college baseball, talking about college baseball. They both open up their scout size notebooks. So that's really all I want to say, except for people need to, to what is it like and, and unlike and, and comment and subscribe. Is that correct? Whatever you say, it goes at this point. Just, just bean, listen. Beanbags. Enjoy. Beanbags. Just beanbags. Here we go. Let's go. <laughs> well, understanding, and Danny, we talked about this, understanding this, you know, explosive growth of Andrew Taylor. I'm glad you you went and found him. And Andrew, thanks for thanks for hanging out with us. We've been excited to get to know you because, you know, last year we got a chance to talk with a guy like Sam Bachman, who you know, got drafted very high by the Angels and came out of that mid-major world. I'm an NAIA guy, I'm well below mid-major, but kind of get it, right? Not the power five and, and all the attention. Um, so they believed in you. The Central Michigan believed in you out of Caledonia High School, just outside of Grand Rapids. Kind of take me back to that. Hey, I'm graduating time. What am I going to do? Who's interested in me? I still want to play baseball. Kind of tell me how they believed in you. They found you and how you came together. Yeah. Yeah. So I was a very late bloomer. Um, again, none of these offers really came until it would have been my, um, the summer before my senior year going through um, playing with Grand Rapids Diamonds. I had one offer at that point to a D2 Cedarville in Ohio and nothing, nothing more than that. That that was my only offer. And I knew that I wanted to play baseball at the, at the next level. Um, So that's kind of when I knew I needed to focus on baseball and I stopped playing basketball at that point. I played basketball my freshman, sophomore and junior year. And then at that point I'm like, okay, you know, um, I'm just going to focus on baseball here for my senior year. So I played fall ball again with the same travel team, Grand Rapids Diamonds. And I worked with um, a pitching coach, Anthony Alcaron, um, who used to work at a local D2, such as Davenport. And now he kind of works in some other organizations and that kind of thing. Um, and he really helped me kind of, I guess, learn how to use my body more. Cause I was this six foot five lengthy dude that I wasn't uncoordinated, but I didn't really know how to, I guess, get down the slope as well as I could with, so I had these long levers and I, he helped me learn how to, how to use them better than I was at the time. Um, so we worked on some things such as some arm path adjustments, um, some stride length and lengthening that just because I, I am long levered and I'm way around town in the back. It's not a short, sweet flicking kind of motion. Um, so that's kind of where I, I guess I made a jump from, I think I made a jump from 84, topping at 84 to topping at 92 over the course of my junior year through my senior fall. And that's kind of where I got that little bit taste of, you know, I finally hit above 90, you know, once you get to 85 or whatever, and the next goal is 90. And I finally hit that. Um, so that's kind of when some of the offers started to kind of come in um, some, some junior colleges uh, mostly D2s. And then it was really between 
Central Michigan University and then Kent State, a fellow um, in the in the MAC conference here. And I just felt like Central Michigan felt like home. It's just like where I'm from, a little bit outside of Grand Rapids, um, Caledonia. Some people call it Caledonia. You know, if that tells you anything, it's cornfields <laughs> everywhere. And, <laughs> and that's that's basically what Central Michigan is. It's a bunch of cornfields and the university is just there. Like everything is basically split down one road, West Broomfield or East Broomfield. And there's, yeah, that's, it's basically split down one road within a mile, mile and a half radius each, each way. So I just felt the most like home. I really loved the coaching staff and um, the winning prowess that they brought um, over from Northwood at the time, because that would have, that was their first year, uh, 2019, or I guess would have been 2018 at the time when they were making the move from Northwood to uh, central Michigan here. Um, so yeah, I just, it felt like home here and I, I didn't end up committing until, um, November of my senior year. So again, a very late commit. Um, and I was very lucky to have this offer and it's, um, yeah, it's turned out well. It's, I love it here. It, it's intriguing. And I just want to follow up on something you said. It's one thing to want to play at the next level. It's another thing to start and, and you probably walk taller it's another thing to start realizing the skills you have and to unlock you know unlocking box number one unlocking box number two i get it as a six five former minor league pitcher myself who struggled with you know coordination and finding my peak so to unlock those boxes talk to me about kind of as each box unlocked and all of a sudden you learn more about your body you understood your arm swing you understood your downhill path how to take advantage of, you know, your giraffe-like, our giraffe-like existence, right? How do you take advantage instead of it being a disadvantage? As you unlock those boxes, it's one thing just want to play at the next level, but then you start discovering, hey, I'm good enough to play at the next level. Kind of discuss, explain to me that awakening that you probably had and, and probably how it helped your confidence. Yeah, no, it definitely helped my confidence. Um, so, yeah kind of going through that, the first thing that I unlocked was my stride length. We didn't do anything with the arm path until I worked with the stride length. And that made me jump a few miles per hour. That really unlocked the box of some of those junior colleges being like, okay, you know, this guy's fastball has jumped a little bit. It's kind of flying out of the hand. It's a very easy motion. So that's where kind of those came in. I'm like, okay, you know, maybe I am going to play at the next level. And then we worked on either some arm path and then some other just slight mechanical adjustments and that's where that 92 came from. And I'm like, wow, you know, I, I, that's where I did get that, that confidence that you mentioned. And it's like, okay, you know, I got that little taste of it and I, I kept working at it over and over and over. So instead of topping at that 92, um, I could sit at that 92 or sit at the, the low 90 mark um, and that kind of thing. Um, so those are, I guess, the main few that really unlocked. I'm like, okay, I can do this. And then kind of going into, it would have been, not not this past winter, or I guess we're kind of still in it here in Michigan. Um, but the winter before my sophomore winter, um, I really unlocked another box of okay, my fastball with with the spin rate, it plays much different. It plays higher than what it actually is, because I was throwing it by some guys that I felt like was right down the middle. But to them, it was starting down the middle and it was, you know, taking a little, a little, yeah, a little staying on the same plane and rising at the end. So I was talking to some hitters. I'm like, I was never a big metrics kind of guy. I'm just kind of like, I'm going to go out there. I'm going to try, I'm going to get you out. I'm going to try to get you out with whatever I got. I'm just going to compete out there. 
until I realized some of this Rapsodo stuff. And that was another box that I checked. I was asking them after some outings in the winter when we were throwing inside, I'm like, why, why are you like, why are you swinging at that pitch? And they're like, dude, my, my eyes light up at that pitch at the top of the zone. And then all of a sudden I'm swinging way under it or I'm swinging way behind it, or I'm swinging when I think it's going to be there. And then it's already in the catcher's glove. So that was kind of another box that I checked that mixing once I had the mechanics as good, or, you know, I can always work on them, but um, as good as they were going to be at that time going into the season, then I worked on the more of the I can run that fastball up. I can run that fastball down. It looks like it's going to go into the ground and then it stays on plane. And then I can run that one up. That's going to go right above their barrel. So that was kind of another huge box that I used last year. And then I'm obviously going to use going forward the fastball spin rate. Dude, you're so interesting. These are some of the best answers I, I feel like we've gotten for someone to describe. You're the words that you're using and the way that you're describing, you know, it's it's really interesting and it's cool to hear you talk about it because clearly you've got a good grasp of what you're doing now and you're able to use use really great descriptive words. And you're putting all this work in, right? But there are two people I feel like I've read about that maybe also have been helping you along the way. It's always the army of people around you, right? So I wanted to start with your brother, Aaron, mm -hmm. who helped you during quarantine, which was actually something that sounded like it was very helpful for you and not necessarily something that hindered you or held you back. It was actually something that allowed you to grow a little bit. But your brother, Aaron, in quarantine, tell us about what you two did together to get better. Yeah. Um, so we did a ton of workouts together. Um, he's a big basketball player. Um, and obviously, you know, as a pitcher getting more explosive, that, that doesn't hurt either. So I would do some of those workouts with him. Um, and we would do workouts like we would put, we'd each grab a backpack, put a ton of books in there for some weight, you know, cause none of the gyms were open and just do our, our driveway kind of goes down at a slant at first and then it straightens out. So, you know, we do some lunges down that, lunges up and down the hills. We do squats, squat jumps, um, all those kind of things. Then we'd go more from that into kind of the, more of the basketball kind of workouts. We'd get out some ladders, we'd get out some jump roping. Um, we'd, you know, blast the music outside with a, with a big speaker or, or whatever. Um, and then we get into more of the basketball stuff where I would, <laughs> he's definitely much better than I was at that age and probably better than I am right now. But so I had to try to keep up with him, especially in the, the cardio aspect of running back and forth. And he wants to do all this running and I'm like, uh, maybe, maybe not, maybe tomorrow. Um, <laughs> but yeah, he was huge in, in that just having somebody to work out with and, and doing the same thing with, um, with him was huge. And then even my sister Ainsley, like she's, she's a gymnast. So, you know, she's got like the strongest core, you know, I'm, you've ever heard of. So she would run me through some core workouts and I would be dying, you know, after doing all that, I, I would end with that. I would just be on the ground like, oh my gosh, for the next day or so. But yeah, it's just fun to have somebody to, to work out with and to talk with while you're going through the same kind of thing. And then how about Jordan Patty, another, you know, a teammate, a right-handed pitcher, how, how has he impacted you? Obviously he's a little bit older. So what, what's he been able to show you and, and help you with maybe on the field and off the field? Yeah. So, I mean, coming in, um, there wasn't really, especially on the pitching staff, because we hang out a lot more than what we do with the, the position players coming in. There was never that one person that, even though he was 
the ace he wasn't like stuck up and in like no you can't talk to me until you prove yourself there was never that kind of thing so I always felt comfortable talking to him obviously as a freshman I was a little more uncomfortable a little more shy kind of kept my own my own bubble of people um, kind of thing but as I got more into the sophomore year um, we would talk, we'd bounce ideas, um, off each other, especially that we were going out. We knew that both of us were going out to the Cape, um, and playing on the same team as of that fall. Um, so it was, it was just huge to have that person because in pitching, it's all about, um, you know, throwing strikes and we both were like that, but we also wanted to maybe get more of that, that wipeout pitch or more of a, a different grip. So bouncing that, we both throw kind of similar pitches. He was trying to throw a curveball there for a little bit. So I was kind of helping him with that. I'm trying to throw more of a slider now. And he's kind of helping me with that. So it was just, it was just huge to kind of have that. Like you mentioned, he is a few years older than me to have that, that big brother kind of there to coach me along the way. If I'm struggling, he'd come up to me, especially after, I guess, the Notre Dame game where I got rocked. And that's the most that I've runs that I've ever given up. And he was slated. He started the next day him coming up to me and talking to me and like, Hey, like we're going to get these next couple. You're going to get the opportunity to pitch again. Like, like those kind of things. And it was just huge because usually he's a quiet, a quiet dude on game day, he likes to lock in and, and stay focused and that kind of thing with his earbuds in or whatever. But yeah, it was just great to have him to um, talk with. And even if it wasn't about the field, we play MLB the show or, you know, the new call of duty or, or those kind of video games together. And, and building that uh, that team chemistry, especially out out east this summer, that's basically all we did when we weren't uh, when we weren't playing baseball. You guys had the same host family, right? Same host family. Yep, it was great. Wow, talking baseball and, and playing <laughs> games all through the night, man. There's nothing wrong with that because you guys obviously not roommates on campus because he's older. Um, I, I, it's interesting you were talking about your pitch grips. I you have a baseball nearby. I, this is a podcast, so people will listen. But if you don't mind showing me. The yeah. one thing I'm curious about as a former and a, and a long time ago old pitcher was you talking about your cutter slider two and one, basically trying to make, you know, your slider, you know, put a little velo on it, make it a cutter, vice versa, kind of be able to change speeds with your cutter. Explain and show me kind of where you've landed on that with, with you and Jordan talking through that together. Yeah. So my cutter grip is actually, you can see here. It's more of a slider kind of grip there. I have my middle finger on the seam there and then my, my pointer finger up here. So it's more of, I was, I've kind of been messing around with him, I guess, with what to do with these fingers. Do I tuck it under the seam there so the ball comes out a little easier or do I leave it on the side and have a little more control over it? So that was kind of the main thing that I was talking with him about because we both throw it and showing um, him showing me his cutter grip and his slider grip and how he throws those. Um, but I stumbled upon over the, um, it would have been this fall, a different slider grip here that moves more like a slider, kind of like a, a slurvy slider that's kind of in between my curveball and cutter there. Another kind of a, a spike there on my knuckle that gets more of that slidery movement instead of more straight across. So yeah, no, I've messed around with this plenty on, I threw it a lot in my last live outing before just to work on it and, and see what kind of movement it gets um, and versus tucking versus not tucking and, and that kind of thing. Um, but yeah, no, he was, I actually, I actually got this grip from one of our fifth year. Well, I guess he's a sixth year senior this year, Cam Miller. So this is how he throws his. So that's where I got it from. And then I've messed around throwing Patty's grips and it's just, 
not for me. It, it doesn't come out the same and it's, it's gets more of that slidery kind of movement on it, but yeah, no, it's been great talking with him and messing around with all different types of grips. That's incredible stuff for our listeners of the podcast. You know, he had the spike, the knuckle pulled back right around the horseshoe uh, on that grip. Incredible. My father is in the hall of fame throwing a spike curveball his whole career. He just got, you have big hands. I can see it in the shot, but it just gives you a little better command of the baseball to, to, to either put your knuckle. I dug my finger into the baseball like that. So do you feel like it just elevates your command of that pitch a little bit or even tightens the rotation on it? Yeah, no, I would say it definitely, definitely tightens the spin on it a hundred percent. That and so yeah, with my slider, I use my knuckle, but with my curveball, I, I put my finger in the, in the, the seam there and it definitely yeah. tightens it, makes it much more sharper and much more deceptive to the hitter. 100%. What's the best place to eat in uh, where, where's your home? Alto. Is that correct? Michigan. Alto, Michigan <laughs> yes. What's, what's the best restaurant that's not a chain in Alto, Michigan? Oh gosh. Um, oh, I'm trying to think basically where I live. Um, it's all changed, but there's a, I don't know if that's a chain. City Barbecue? Is All that right. a chain restaurant? Well, don't ask me, it. but it sounds good to me. I, I mean, so. it sounds yeah. good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's really yeah. good. <laughs> All right. Life in Alto, Michigan. Life in Alto, Michigan, huh? Yeah. What are you, about 90, are you about 90 miles from home? Yeah. Yep. About that. About yeah, an hour and a half, hour 40 to get to school. And Miriam and Bob come to how many games? Um, they usually come, they come to every single home game, um, on, on the Saturday usually, cause they both work on Friday. Um, and then they're coming to coastal Carolina, um, in a few days. And then I think they're not coming to Western Kentucky, but then they're coming to wake forest. So they, they're amazing. Great supporters. Awesome. They basically come to every single series, which is incredible. Wow. Oh my gosh. I think my last one is about the stash is is the stash staying for the season <laughs> it is staying yes yes it is last year I didn't have to uh worry about anything but I do have a girlfriend now so the deal was I get to keep it if she gets to trim it and make sure it's it's not going over the lip or the sides or anything so that was the deal <laughs> Aaron what do you have to say about that I don't even know what to say I like I, you know I, I I'm stuck in that. It sounds like true love is what it sounds like to yeah. me. I mean, I don't know what else to say, you know, right. <laughs> you know, I, I, I can, you want me to comment Danny on what I think it looks like, or I just, I can he's see our, he's I, our guest though. I want to be respectful. I, he's our guest. Plus, you know what, that. if you have the stuff he has, that stash plays. And if your girlfriend blesses it, it really plays. Yes. So yes. That's it's it, amazing. Man. That's all there is to it. And we all know, right? We all know, Andrew, you may have the stuff you have, and you may be a first, second, third round pick this year. Mm-hmm. But if she doesn't like it, you might consider shaving it. You know, I mean that's, <laughs> that's what love is all about. I mean, you know, this is this is the same. This is you know, I'm sure I'm not, uh-huh. I'm sure Bob is younger than I, but you know, this is how Bob and I have learned to think yes. through all these years. Um yeah, yep. I think it's amazing. I, I want to ask you, and you know, your mom said in several articles that you, uh, that your humility is appealing as a mom, certainly in those around you, um, <laughs> that you, you weren't into chasing a ton of showcases and putting your, your brand or yourself out there through high school, but you've landed here. Um, it's happened accidentally by your stuff because here you are. Do, do you think about the draft? Do you think about the possibility? Because we're not too far removed from you just hoping 
to be a college baseball player, right? <laughs> um, you are that now. And now mm. you're a professional prospect. You've probably had, you know, interviews. You've probably dealt with organizations. Do you think about, do you daydream about, you know, being a pro about draft day this year? Um, and if so, if you do, what does that look like? Yeah, I mean, so not a whole lot, honestly. I've kind of tried to put that in the back of my mind. Um, I'm just trying to, when I've talked with other guys that have come back and they just say they loved college so much and not that they don't love minor league baseball and all that, but um, they wish they would have put it to the back of their, their head and just focused on in this year. And that's kind of what I'm trying to do because this is most likely going to be my last college year um, and that before it turns into a job and, and that kind of thing. And I, I just, yeah, tried to put it back there and not focused on it a whole lot. Just take it one day at a time. Um, and if it does start to catch up with me a little bit, I try to think back to last year of I'm not going to be able to fly under the radar like I did last year of being this little kid from Alto, Caledonia, Michigan that has this fastball and, and that kind of thing. I'm not going to be able to do that this year. So if the stuff does start to catch up to me and it starts to get in my head too much, like, oh, shoot, I didn't pitch good this out and my draft stock went down or, or that kind of thing. Um, I just think back to last year and be like, what, what, what was my mindset going into each outing last year? It was just take it one pitch at a time. Take it after that, take it one hitter at a time, take it one game at a time, whether I'm pitching or not, just be in tune with every game and just have the most fun that I'm going to have this year, no matter, no matter what happens and no matter what happens in the draft. Okay. So I'm going to be a little pushy here. You do think about it and you're completely, you <laughs> you're completely reflective and, and deep. And that answer is overwhelmingly strong. So yeah. congrats on your perspective. I mean, you do think about it and you put it in this proper place and listening to what you said, um, I mean, you just shared with us, this is probably going to be your last year. So you have thought about it and it's wonderful the place that you put it in. So good for you. Your parents did a great job. You've done a great job. Um, despite the stash, we'll just go with that. <laughs> yeah. Well, basically none of my family likes it except for a couple of my uncles because they have, or one of them has one too. So that, that's uncle, which uncle likes it. What's his name? Uncle, my uncle, David, he's my, David. my dad's younger brother. <laughs> oh, good. Old, everyone has to have a favorite uncle. Don't say everyone <laughs> has to have a favorite uncle. I won't ask you if uncle David bought you your first beer. We'll just leave that. Little <laughs> thank you, man. We, we appreciate this. Thank this you, is great. Andrew. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me on here. It's great. There are scouts around this country that work for teams, work for colleges, and some work for perfect game and, and our scouts with perfect game were biased, but there may be no more of an expert on any field or any subject. Sorry, other guys. Then Brian Sikowski on junior college baseball. I got to call a couple of games with him down in Florida, see some of the best players in the country. We stream some games. This dude knows his stuff. And Brian's going to open up his notebook and take a look at the Juco world through his scout size. Hard not to be super excited about uh, the way junior college baseball has started the season. We're a couple weeks in now. Um, the way the different scheduling works in the different regions of the country, not every program has started. Uh, some won't start till this weekend. Some won't start till next weekend. Some have 15 games in already, such as Florida and Texas, for example. Uh, but either way, we've gotten a pretty good indication to start the season of, of who's good, who's real, who isn't. Uh, but a long ways to go with conference play still to come in the places that have started and you know, baseball in general, having having to to still go in the, in the places where it hasn't started yet. Number one, Iowa Western opens this weekend, for example. Um, 
But we've seen some things. We know some things. We know the panhandle of Florida is very strong. Chipola and Northwest Florida have both been very good. Northwest Florida is 10-1, and 11-1. and one. Uh, They've started out extremely hot. Um, Florida Southwestern out down in Fort Myers, a, a PG staple city. Um, they're really good, as we knew they would be. Uh, lots of pitching, lots of athleticism, lots of speed, timely hitting. Uh, a very, very good club there. Would not surprise me at all if our national champion comes from Florida, considering how strong those programs are. Um, in other places, Central Arizona out, uh, out in Arizona, obviously starting out quite hot. Uh, Pima's been a good team, as we expected them to be. Yavapai has been a good team, as we've expected them to be. Um, Prospect-wise, Cam Collier was number one coming into the season. Nothing has changed. Nothing will change in that respect. He's a 17-year-old left-handed hitting power bat who's already hit four home runs in his first go-around in Juco baseball at a premier place, playing big-time talent. Uh, Speaking of some of the talent that he's seen, Jake Madden, the right-handed pitcher from Northwest Florida State, um, a guy we had number two uh, on the prospect board coming into the season, but with a little uncertainty. Uh, It's a guy who's coming off Tommy John, um, still, you know, developing his command, still fine-tuning things, not a finished product by any means, uh, but he's been explosive to start the year. Uh, Mid-90s fastball, higher than that at times, slider and changeup. The body's great. The delivery's great. Uh, the strikes have been better than we've expected them to be. Long ways to go, but a guy who could be pitching himself up towards the first round, especially in a draft year where the college arms are down. Um, elsewhere, Jacob Mizorowski from Crowder. Crowder's an incredible team. That's a trendy national champion pick right now. Mizorowski at the top of that rotation. Throwing more strikes. Uh, the stuff has always been premier, but now he's throwing more strikes. Now he's in the zone more. A lot to like there. And Colby Holcomb. Uh, down in Mississippi, guy you need to keep an eye on. He's committed to Mississippi State, up to 99-100. We knew about the velo coming in. We knew it was a big-armed righty. Again, with Juco guys waiting to see the polish, waiting to see what it looks like when there's actual batters in the box against him. And his first start was fantastic, so something to monitor there. Uh, but a very good year in junior college baseball, just as we expected it to be. I'm excited because we're bringing in Gino Groover the third. NC State is the school of choice, making the decision to come over and play with this team. And I'm excited to get to know you, Gino, the freshman year that you had your first season outstanding. And I I know that this is a new roster, a new team, a new city, a whole new place for you. But we're going to learn a little bit about who you are, what you're going to bring to this team. I want to start with the third because you are the third. So I want to hear about the OG and the second in your family. Tell us a little bit about those men and the impact that they've had on you. So now you're carrying their name and I'm sure making them very proud. Yeah. So uh, my grandfather, the first, um, he was, he wasn't really a sports guy. He was a big school guy. And actually it was my grandmother, my, on my dad's side, who was the big sports person. And so growing up, I mean, he, he died when I was like, I was at a young age. So I didn't like get to know him like as I got older, but I just know like growing up with him, like for the, like the years I did have with him, he was always big on education, education, education. So I do, I get my education and I go out there and I, that's probably where the majority of like my smarts I would say come from because he was a very intelligent man. So then there's my dad and he is both. He's a big education and sports guy. He doesn't leave out neither perspective. 
But um, growing up, my dad was, he was a three-sport athlete. He played basketball, baseball, and football. But he was a majority, mainly a basketball player. And actually, everyone in my family was a basketball player, my mom and siblings. So they always ask, how did I end up playing baseball? And I mean, I guess I want to take my own route, I guess you could say. And I want to like choose my own path. And I love playing baseball. And I, had, I thought I had the most fun playing it, so I stuck with it. So other than that, my dad, he was, um, he was actually the number one player coming out of high school when he graduated high school. And he played with the Globetrotters growing up. And then after that, he had a little injuries that ended up hurting his career. It happens. But yeah, so I would say sports has always been in the family. And I'm just carrying on with what's, what's left. Game night in your family must be intense. I can only imagine. <laughs> no, one, no one likes losing. No one likes losing. No. I want to circle back to your grandma. You mentioned she was actually the sportier of the two between her and your grandfather. Can you tell us her name and, and the influence that she had on you and sports in your life growing up? Uh, yeah, so um, her name is um, Delois Groover. And she was also a basketball player. And my dad, and he has three siblings, and they were all basketball players. So it's crazy, as I said earlier, how I was like the one that chose baseball and I chose the different path. But she that she has that competitive fire, like that drive. I think that's where like it comes from. And she instilled it into like my father and he made sure to pass it down to me because no matter what we do, like I, I just I do not like losing. I don't think many people like at a competitive stage like to lose either. And growing up, I'm the youngest of four siblings. And for majority of my childhood, I did a lot of losing to my older siblings. But as we got older, <laughs> I took I took those losing experiences from that all those years of losing, and now I do the winning. So I would say, so that's how I compare. So it, look, everyone has that competitive drive, and it's just been passed on from one another. And then we just all take our experiences and we just use them to keep growing. I, I want to go in a car ride, and and whether it was your dad or whether it was your mom, Lasagna, um, maybe it was in Jupiter in 2019 when you played for the Reds, uh, Red Scout team, Midwest Scout team. Maybe it was earlier than that. Heck, maybe it was May of 14 when we caught you playing for the Elite Giants. Uh, I want to get in a car ride after a travel ball game, and, and let's talk. Let's talk about what that ride was like, how, how much the memory still sticks with you, part of forming who you are. Let me ride with you guys in the car after a travel ball game. Okay, so... Growing up, no matter how good I played, there was if there was one small thing that I possibly did wrong, it was gonna be talked about for the rest of the car ride. He, he, the, the good would be pointed out, but then we, he would spend my dad. It might be my dad talking. He would spend majority of the time talking about what I could have did like better and what I could use like need to do to grow in order to like you know perfect my craft to the best that I can at that moment. And I could probably go four for four with three home runs and a bloop single. We're going to talk about that bloop single because I should have barreled it or something like that. He just, he always tells me that he knows that like, you can't be perfect, but who, what keeps you from trying to be perfect? And I kind of like keep that in my mind. And no matter what I do, when I come out, like if it's, a, if I'm just in the case taking soft toss right now, like, I try to go through all my rounds perfect. I, I do not like, I don't like to like mess up at all. I like, because 
he always tells me consistency is key. So no matter what he do, he's like, if you're like struggling or anything, consistency, like it'll always, it'll always float you back to the top, no matter whatever you do. So I try and keep that in my mind. And I go out there and I try to be, I try and I try to do everything to like perfect to a very small detail that I can, because I know paying attention to those small details is going to add up. So then when we get in games and stuff, there's room for error because it's happening so fast. You don't think about it. And we don't want to go out there in the middle of the game thinking about what we do. We want to go out there and just have it be natural instinct. So that's what I do. I would say like consistency is big in our family, I would say. That's awesome, man. I got a lot out of a single car ride with you. That was that was good stuff. And it seems like it was handled, like you said, um, if you're going to point out the negative, you said the positive was pointed out. And here you sit, uh, one of the best players in the country. And I, I think dad managed it well. I mean, I think there was a balance and uh, I'm guessing there was a certain point in time where it was move on from that, right? Where it was, all right, we've talked about it, move on from it. And, uh, and, and for you, I guess in that vein, the, the, the constant, you know, chase for perfection, which gosh, I, I hope we all try and do that, whatever we're doing in life, but you're really doing it in front of people watching. That's the harder part. You're chasing perfection in front of thousands of people. How do you manage failure then? I mean, do you allow yourself to unplug after a game? Um, and I, and I asked that confidently because I played, played in the minor leagues. I know this game is loaded with it. How do you cope and manage failure? Um, the way I think about it, I know the time, the work, the effort I put in. And so, and I mean, it's a hard game where we go up there and we try and get hits between eight other defenders out there. That's trying to get us out and it's hard to find holes. So when you go out there, like growing up, I remember, like I used to fail or like everyone fails as part of the game and coming back, you know, everyone used to always get mad. And I, I had a phase, I would say where, you know, like, like I was like, man, like I needed that to fall. Like I hit that well. So, and so, but then I kind of just got to a point where it was just like, I know I got to the point where I matured enough to where it was like, I know I just put an A swing on that. The guy just made a good play. And then once you get to that point, you just, even like there's going to be times where you do everything right and get out and then you do everything wrong and get a hit. It's just the way it is. So when I got to that point to realize that like, that's just the way the game works. It like, it doesn't bother me anymore because I know, like, I, like I said earlier, I know the time and effort I put in and I put the work in to get to where like I've got my swing or wherever it may be to the point to where it's at. So I just don't let it phase me anymore. Cause I know, I know like what I can do. I'm confident in my ability. I am so glad you brought up your swing because it's beautiful. It is a beautiful swing. And I want to hear the origin of the swing. How did you get it to look that way, to feel that way, and to help you succeed at the plate? So I would say growing up, I was, um, I was actually, I was very like undersized growing up. I, I think my freshman year, I was 5'4 going into my freshman year. And then by the summer of my sophomore year, I was like six one, so I grew a lot in like a small like in like a small amount of time. So what it was for me, obviously, like I said, I was smaller, so I never had like like I was never like just a person to just knock the ball off the park. So for me, I I had to like learn how to hit at a young age in order to succeed because I wasn't like the strongest guy, so I had to like be gap to gap and like no, I didn't know my swing. So then as I got bigger and I had, I learned my swing and then as I got bigger and stronger, it kind of just 
it made me even succeed more because then I went from just being gap to gap to now I'm gap to gap and I'm hitting home runs. So then pretty much I learned how to hit then added power to it. <laughs> I like that. I like that, by the way. Real quick for our listeners. Please don't edit this out, Danny, for our listeners. <laughs> Danny just had somebody ring the doorbell and had to step away. You just had somebody literally bang you in the shoulder with the door. So continue. You were saying about your swing. So, yeah. So, like I said, so, like, I'm like, as my dad also, um, he was a big, there's this little drill we used to do, and he would take the L screen and he'll put it in the back right corner of the cage. And you know how the L shape, right? Where like the people throw from? It was, he called it shooting hoops. And literally he would just sit there and make me hit the, hit it to the back, the back, uh, back right of the corner. And I had to hit it between, it couldn't hit the top of the cage, but it couldn't hit below the square where the L screen is. So I just had to keep shooting it into that, that little spot, that little square. And I think that honestly helped me gain the back control that I have. Because like I sat there and I consistently like I was playing pepper with that back right corner of the cage. And then that like that truly helped me like learn how to stay inside the ball. And like it made me it made me learn my swing and like that feel that I needed to have in order to keep that swing going. And then the as you I feel that hitting the ball to the right side allows you to pull the ball with good spin, I would, I would say. It allows you to keep the ball straight, back spin, no hooks. I mean hooks are gonna come, but like I try not to do that in BP. I try to have true spin and back spin to all all parts of the field, and I believe that helped me because if you can if you can consistently drive the ball to the other side, you should easily be able to drive the ball to your pull side. The only thing I would say that changes is contact points, really. So I would say that probably that did a lot. Like it's something so small and so simple, but it played a big part in like developing the swing that like I have. It's an amazing answer. What do you do now? like you don't have dad at school to do that drill with so do you do you try something to replicate that or is that just when you go home now you're doing other things at school to help you with that swing and stay consistent so I would say that I've gotten to the point because I've been doing it since I was probably like 12 and so I've been doing it for some years now and I've got to the point where like I don't even need the screen anymore I could just visualize it like I know how high it needs to be and obviously, like the top of the cage is the top of the cage. So I was, uh, I'll go in there, like my routine usually consists of I go in there, tee work. And I don't, I never even pull the ball off the tee, like at all. Everything I do is always middle to the right side. And I just consistently, I just drive it that way. And I just make sure I keep my path right and keep my swing however I need it to be until it feels right to me. So then I would do soft toss and um, I had this routine that I do with uh, Bo Rob. Bo Rob, he also came from Charlotte. So we had this routine that we do. And it uses, so it consists of, we go five, we do like five sit away. So we just straight line drives into the L screen. Boom, boom, boom. Five middle. And I usually, I usually aim for the straight back of the, like back of the cage. So then I just straight line drive to the back. And then this is where we get to like some pull side. So then we'll do a little inside routine. And we just try to get good spin, good, good spin to the pull side, no top spin, no hooking, none of that, just straight inside the ball. And as I said earlier, the only thing that changes with all of this, the swing never changed. The only thing that changes the contact point where I attack the ball at. So then after that, we like to simulate like a little in-game approach. And we go with the round that we call it everywhere. So we mainly sit, so our, like, our approach is we sit mainly like middle away and we react in 
because naturally that's what I'm gonna do in game. I'm mainly be looking for pitches. That's that's where that's where pitchers are taught to pitch. They're they're mainly they're mainly taught to pitch middle away to us hitters. So we mainly adjust. So we sit middle away and we react in, and then we go through those rounds, and then we'll probably go live BP or we'll do like machine work, and that's what I've been doing for these past since I've been in college last year and this year. And we have like the way we like this, we like the way we like to call it, we like to say if you get the routine in, it's an automatic two knocks a day. Automatic. That's epic. That's epic. I want to go back home with you if you don't mind. Your mom, Lasonia, am I saying the name correct? Sir. What's your favorite pastime together? Since there's four siblings, it's hard to maybe do something just with mom. But uh, since you're the youngest, what what's you know something you two enjoy doing together? Um, I would say probably probably getting food honestly okay like, you like going out like going out and getting a bite somewhere like it just allows us to like sit down and we can just talk yeah bring, let me out. let me let me intrude and let me come with you like in that car ride where are you guys going to eat and what are you talking about what are you catching up with while mom uh mom's the school person so the first thing that's going to happen is school and how is school and how i'm feeling about it and just things of that sort and then it's going to come baseball and she's like she she keeps up with it she knows everything that's happening she knows all the stats all of it it's it's actually amazing because like i know like if i ever need help or anything she she knows how to calculate things all of it so like she's 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 money so then we just talking and then like because like i said my dad usually does the talking so like it's always good to hear like from another perspective and hear what she's thinking and maybe what she thinks I need to do because she's seen me grow up also. She's been at all the practices. She's been at the training. She's seen my swing develop to wherever the way it is. She's she's been there for everything just as much as my dad. So sometimes it's just always good to get that opinion and like that that other point of view, that point of view, like that somebody else may see that my dad may not see because he's seen it so much. So like like it's always good to have a fresh pair of eyes. So like I would say, probably it'll probably be some singing in the car. First on the car ride, we'll probably do some singing, just be vibing. And then we get there, it'll be school, then baseball. And then yeah, that's that's what are we, what are we what are we singing, by the way? It depends. It depends on so her rule in the car is whoever drives gets to play music. Amen. That's the rule. Amen. So that's the rule. So if she's driving, it'll probably be I don't even know. She listens to everything. She's she's a she loves Janet Jackson. So probably okay. some your hair. Okay. So, and then with me, like I'll probably play like some some old school like R and B stuff like that. There's something you can just buy. We just be singing all along. Nice, nice. I'm good, D. She's muted. I had to mute not. myself. I was I was trying to make sure no one else is going to ring more my doorbell nice, here. Nice. I know. I know. Well so done. I <laughs> No, we're just trying <laughs> to keep it together here this spring. Let me tell you. I just wanted to ask you about the decision to transfer and joining this team. This roster looks new and there's so many new faces, but also coming off of uh, their first trip to the College World Series in eight years. And so there's still a lot of excitement around this team. What went into the decision? And also, what do you want college baseball to learn about you coming into your sophomore season? So I would say that went into the decision would probably be 
um, when I was at Charlotte, um, I had a good time. I loved the school. We had, I thought we had a very good team. And, but for me, I just felt that I wasn't like, it felt like I wasn't someone being treated like fairly, I, I, I thought. And just something like that, like along those lines, it was actually a hard decision because I, I was talking to my parents and when I was going through it, I was just like, ah, it was, it was hard. It was hard, it was, but sometimes you got to make those hard decisions for the better. And as of right now, like, I love it here. I love the team, the coaches, everyone that's around. And it's just, it's good. Uh, every day can come to the park and it's, it's, it smiles on everyone's faces. Everyone's here. We're having a good time. We just, when we out there, it's literally like we're little kids. That's literally what it feels like, like we're actual kids. And that's how it's supposed to be. You're supposed to go out there and have fun. I mean, like, yeah, it's like a job somewhat, but it's supposed to be fun while you do it. And that's what it's about. And we go out there and we have fun. So I would say that probably helped into the decisions. And then for people to know about me, I would say that I'm like an energetic, I'm like, oh, I'm a big smile guy. I like to smile. I don't know. I feel like my my parents and coach always say like my smile makes other people smile. So, but I feel like I'm always smiling though. So I don't know. Like I'm smiling <laughs> right now and I'm not even trying to like, yeah, I don't know. But it's a I, thousand watts. It is a thousand watt smile. Thank you. Yeah. So I go out there and I just, I just be myself and I think I'm I'm somewhat funny. I think everybody else thinks I'm funny. You think I'm funny? <laughs> See, Liz thinks I'm funny. I just go out there and I, you know, I just try to make people try to make people smile. I go out there, somebody may be having a down day. We just be out there goofing around. And I just I may say something goofy and just like that, they they might smile. Like for example, we had a, a little scrimmage in the other day, and one of the teammates. I, yeah, he, I remember he had like a good AB, like ball hit hard, and then he just, it had been like all day. Like he's been hitting the ball hard all day and just he couldn't buy it. And I like I could like see that he was like starting to get down on himself a little bit. And I was just out there and I just started making jokes with him. And just like that, he started smiling. I remember when we got back to the dugout and he was like, like, thanks for like picking me up like that. And it just, it made me feel good. Cause like, although I saw it, I just just being myself and I was just glad I could like brighten his day up like so quickly. And just like that, like I said, like he learned from just looking so sad, like just like that, he had a smile on his face. And I think that's what it's about, especially because like it's so mental with baseball. You can't get down on yourself. You can't like let it phase you because when it phase you, that's that's when things start to go bad. So I need to, we need to, I feel like we always need to keep our teammates to like keep them up as high, like don't don't leave nobody down bring them up with you so that's how I like to think about it so I'm gonna be like energetic I'm gonna bring smiles to the park and I hope I'm bringing excitement come on and watch the show nice nice people people have to call you groove by the way do they some people do yeah some, I have a lot of nicknames some people call me well there's Gino GG G squared LG3 Ooh. I've had a lot of nicknames. Some people yeah. have um, a nickname I have is um the Don. They call me the Don. I guess because like the way I like to think about it, because like the Don is like kind of like Italian, like mob type stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, like, you know, it's like an Italian name. So that's where the Don comes from. I think it fits perfect. That's I like so it. Good. I like it. I like Dude, Groove a little bit you. because <laughs> I like Groove a little bit because Don Baylor, who has since passed, 
was an incredible player in the big leagues for a long time. And he was nails. He was tough. Um, his nickname was Groove. So I'm listening to you talk and I'm thinking about that. I do like the Don though. That, that's, yeah. that's pretty good. <laughs> we'll come watch the show. We'll come find you. We'll come watch the show, man. Thanks for hanging yeah, with us. Sure. The week of March 7th, watch Perfect Game TV. Keep an eye out on Perfect Game social media. But uh, college baseball, Perfect Game College Baseball, we will be debuting as a streaming show. Great guest. We have great guests on every week. The best coaches, the best players in the country. Um, we definitely don't steal any guests from this podcast, no doubt. But Hunter Pence is the key. I mean, to see a brand new player recently retired for a year plus host a college baseball show as he has done on Sirius XM. Now it's a streaming show. But uh, here's a little here's a little flavor. Here's a sample. We'll be debuting the show on Perfect Game TV on March 7th. Here's Hunter Pence chatting up the man with the ring, Chris Lamonis, the head coach of Mississippi State. Yeah, Chris, I think that's that's really important. And, and tackling that is tough because you definitely get caught in. Well, and last year we did this and last year we did that. And it's a whole new journey and it's going to be different every time. Um, I love trying to get out ahead of that is one of the most challenging things in my opinion and I felt that uh you know being lucky enough to be on two world series teams it's 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 an interesting psychology in my opinion but I want to ask what is this time of year right now look at look like at Mississippi State uh charging attacking into this next season Chris yeah just a lot of work I mean we got to get better you know I, I told our team after the first weekend I gave them an A for effort and we were about a C minus in performance so uh and not their fault. It's just part of that that time of year. But we got to keep, you know, we have a good team. I have we have good players. We got to stay healthy. You know, we got to get our volume up. We got to we got to do those things. But we're trying to. And we open up with Long Beach State, who's one of the best teams in the country. And so, and we have to be ready. We have to be ready to play at a high level. And um, we'll play better as the season goes along. But just trying to get our feet under us right now. Um, BP ground balls, pitcher volume getting up, and and doing all that while you're trying to stay healthy. Chris, I, I want to ask, and this question actually just hit me, and I had all these questions prepared, but you know, you give them, you give them an A for effort, which is kind of the main thing that you can control, and a C minus for performance. Um, one thing that when I think of Mississippi State baseball, I think of gritty. I think of you know, you guys, you, you play free, you play gritty, you have just this kind of. Um, in my opinion, that's just what I think of when I think of watching your baseball games. Um, how do you go from, you know, you kind of want to relax after that celebration. How did the players respond to you giving them a C minus for performance? And, and is, are, are they, are they getting that, that check of grittiness of like, Hey, we got to get back to work. Did they, how was, what's the worst response from the players when you give them? They've that? been pretty great all year. You know, you, you know, uh, you know, coming back from everything and everybody patting you on, especially in a town like this, everybody's telling you how great you are all the time. Um, they've been great about their work. This group likes to get after it. I just, you know, you know, my very first speech, I, I met the team when they got off the plane from Omaha in 18. And that was my, I had the same perception. Anytime I'd ever watched Mississippi State, it was tough. It was hard nosed. They just, they enjoyed playing the game of baseball is what you thought of. And, I, and we have a group like that again. They just, you know, we just got to play better. You know, I just, you know, we just had some mistakes this weekend and um, a lot of times I wonder if it, you know, focus level so big with this age group that we're just trying to, you know, just got to focus a little more and get more reps. I mean, we just got to We got to get more under us right now. What did you folks think? I mean, when you listen to him talking about the drill in the cage, talking about uh, the groove, I want to call him the groove, um, talking about the groove. Didn't it sound a little bit like he was playing a little bit of beanbags out in the backyard? I mean, shooting a baseball through the tiniest. I can't believe he did that. That's what kind of geeked me out, Danny. Of all the things he said, he said deep and insightful things, the love he had for his mom, listening and dancing in the car, listening to music. 
driving with his dad who grinded him, but yet he's appreciative of every car ride. But those drills he did, like I'm stuck there. I thought it was incredible. I knew you were going to love that. The second he started talking about this out of the box drill that he and his dad do, they made up together. I knew that I knew that you're, you had heart eyes listening to him talk about that. So I'm glad that he shared that with us. He's open. He was an open book. Whatever we were asking, he gave us that. And then some, which I think was really special. And he's going to He's going to make a big impact on this team. He had a really loud freshman year, and I know he's coming in this year to try to help that team get back to the College World Series. And then with Andrew Taylor, I mean, just the most special, the most special. This kid is thoughtful, kind. His mom did a great job with him. As you mentioned, he put books in his backpack with his brother and worked out and tried to, you know, the, the pitches you saw him throwing and the way that he was describing it and what he's learned about his body He's a smart kid. He's really smart. I'm stoked for him. I'm, I'm excited for central Michigan. Like I'm excited to see what they can do this season, but I I was glad that we got a chance to learn more about Andrew Taylor. Yeah. Power five and mid-major and a little mid-major power though, by the way, Taylor golden spikes watch list. So he has elevated his game from no place to play coming out of high school, just a handful of places. Um, Was it Kent and then central Michigan, some JUCOs, some smaller schools like I went to, uh, to golden spikes watch list. And this is his sophomore year. Um, I love to the reference to Sis and and as a gymnast, Ainsley killing his core, how he described like, I, what? I couldn't do anything like that. Think about the simplicity of what he said and how being open-minded. And by the way, embracing the fact that he got a seven hung on him against Notre Dame and clearly saying, this is the worst I've ever pitched. Um, and, and holding on to that, not as a negative, not as a woe is me, but I'm going to build from there. Like, I remember what it's like to have a bad day because he hasn't had many in college. I loved his transparency about the outing against Notre Dame, too, and, you know, how his teammate uh, Jordan was there for him, Patty. I don't know. There's a lot to like about this dude. I mean, he may pitch himself into the first round. You know, what? we didn't even talk to him about breaking the record. He, he had 124, his 124th strikeout, it broke a record, Ralph Darren, who said it back in 1971, it stood for 50 years, the single season strikeout record. We didn't talk to him about that. That's just how freaking humble that kid is. Like he has a record that stood for 50 years and he broke it last year. Yeah, he broke it, but we want to keep listeners. So we try not to reference things that are like 50 years old. You know, well, I mean, how about we want his to mustache make sh- though? That's how we keep the listeners. That looks that like stash. it's like 70 years old. I mean, my goodness. <laughs> like, I know he's going to listen to the very end, but uh, Andrew, I love you, man. But the stash just, I don't like it. I, I just don't. I got um, your back. Andrew, reach out to it. reach out to, you know, at Danny Wexelman at whatever it is.com. Because <laughs> if you're, if you're angry that I don't like it, I don't like it. I, I don't, I don't like it. His girl likes it though. She cares for it. His she parents. Wins. I'm with you. I'm with you, Miriam and Bob, and not you, <laughs> Uncle whatever, guy who bought him his first cold one. <laughs> I love the stash. Keep the stash, man. Keep All it going. Right. No, I, I, I do like it. I do like it. I can't say anything. I had racing stripes in my hair in college when I pitched <laughs> yeah. in college, so I can't. Yeah. Andrew, I can't say anything. My look was way worse, so um, yeah. Just I think people need to really share and comment on this podcast. Is that right? <laughs> Yeah, please, all the verbs once again, because we can't reinforce it enough, honestly. (laughs) Please love us, love us and our podcast. Please, like, do it. Do it for Darren. Coming up next week. (laughs) Just listen to this again.
And hold on, would you like to share uh, coming up uh, 13 pieces of bubblegum? Oh, yeah, we got a brand new podcast. It's out there now. You can go find it wherever you find your podcast. Clint Hurdles, 13 pieces of bubblegum. It's certainly a different spin. Um, you know, we've had Benny Montgomery on the first round pick. Perfect game All-American, first round pick of the Rockies. Interesting hurdle in the Rockies front office. Hurdle interviewing Benny Montgomery, pretty good. Hurdle a first round pick and all the pressures that went along with it as a young player with the Royals back in the 70s. Um, sorry, I referenced the 70s again. Try not to. Um, but it's just a good show. John Walsh and his wife Susan produce it. But I said, come on into the room. Like, I don't want. So they, they join in, too. And so you get, you know, a, a strong woman uh, who's helped to raise a strong athletic family who also, you know, herself has great perspectives, a guy who's produced and directed in the major leagues and in the NBA for 20 years. Their thoughts are welcome, too. So it's the four of us. It's unique. It's odd, but it's good. And then we bring these guests in. Jenny Finch was on the first one. Um, Matt Holliday is expected to come on, who's a baseball dad and a Hall of Fame caliber career. It's totally different than this. Um, there's a lot of back and forth with John and I because he was my producer where he's kind of like old school, beyond old school. Like, you know, like old school meets like he thinks like the concept of robo umps and strike zones, you know, oh, R2D2, where I say, bring it, man, it's time. So there's a little back and forth on that. Even though he's like the same age as me, he's 80 going on, you know, 90 going on 100. So, uh, and Clint's amazing. You know, Clint, I mean, he's, he's, he's got a lot of good things to say and he paid attention. He has paid attention his whole career. And that's for our younger listeners, that's the best part. Dude's paid attention his whole career. Um, and a long career as a manager, first round pick, struggles in the big leagues as a player. That's the podcast, 13 pieces of bubblegum. Find it wherever you find your podcast and like and download and then like again and comment. Well, I just want to let you know you've scared everyone away with your robot. So I'll have to edit that out. You're that is a strike, strike three, strike three, strike three. Okay, I'm so right. sorry. Please, please don't unsubscribe after that. That's, that's why Darren's wouldn't you fault. subscribe to that's that Darren's fault that's not me that's Darren's that's what fault. the antiquated people think it looks like it's called progress people progress embrace it we'll see you next time